forum to discuss concerns and present potential solutions to improve damage prevention and excavation safety. A recording of this town hall will be posted on the Excavation Safety Alliance website, along with a brief blog post. We will also post the chat, so if you do not want your comment or your name included, please note that with your comment. We will wrap up around 1130 Central, but we'll continue with coffee and questions for those who would like to stay on for a few extra minutes. If you have a question during the town hall, please type it into the chat box or click the raise hand icon. Give us a couple seconds and we will give you permission to unmute yourself. To unmute, simply click on the microphone icon. Today's meeting is meant to be a discussion and you're all encouraged to ask questions and share solutions. Please try to keep your comments brief to allow others time to interact. And with that, now I will turn it over to Ann Rushing to introduce yourself and our panelists. All right, good morning, everyone. Thanks for joining us. We are excited to be with you today. Um, so as, um, as Whitney mentioned, today's topic is what role can utility coordinating councils play in damage prevention and excavation safety. Um, so during this town hall, we hope everyone, as she said, will come armed with suggestions um, on what has worked for you all and, you know, keep an open mind to some new ideas and then, you know, any questions for our panelists. Uh, so my name is Ann Rushing and I am the Education Manager with North Carolina 811. And here in North Carolina, we actually have 50 local utility coordinating committees. So um, of our four liaisons within the state, they are ve very busy managing all these uh, UCCs. So um, thank you for allowing me to moderate your meeting today. Next, I would like to introduce Becky Kinsey. Uh, Becky, if you will, just tell a little bit about yourself. Good morning. My name is Becky Kinsey. I'm one of the liaisons with Georgia 811, and we have 48 UCC meetings. They're broken down by DOT region, so there's seven different regions, and we have, um, there's four of us that divide those up. Becky, thank you so much. Um, next, we have Marty Mead with Colorado 811. Thanks, Ann. I'm, uh, I'm Marty Mead. I'm the Director of Damage Prevention for Colorado 811. Been with the organization for 25 years now. So, um, yeah, so we, we have about, about 13 or 14 DPCs. It's actually with the JUUC, Joint Underground Utility Commission um that that we support um i have uh five liaisons on my team that we serve colorado so thank you thank you marty and then last but not least uh chris Sturmer with wgi take it away chris yeah thank you yeah my, my name is chris Sturmer, uh utility coordination manager for wgi here in florida i am also at this present time the current chairman of the Florida Utilities Coordinating Committee. Uh, it's been an, it's an organization that's been in existence since 1932. Uh, we meet three times a year um, to provide education, training, and knowledge and, and learn from each other uh, in these conferences um, that's highly attended by utilities, DOT, uh, contractors, coordinators, and, and the utilities where we all come together and 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 share educational um, presentations. We have presenters come in to to educate us on on the on what's going on in the industry, um, and then we filter that down. Florida has several different utility coordinating committees. Um, I heard pre like previously heard uh, it's the state's broken down into seven districts: a DOT, and then one for the Turnpike. Um, and each district has several utility coordinating committees within their district. So I've been doing been doing utility coordination and utilities over 20 years. So I've got quite a bit of experience uh, in coordinating utilities and working with utilities and working with the DOTs. 
Nice. Well, Chris, thank you um, for that intro as well. So um, definitely we have a lot of knowledge here to share, and I'm super excited about that. You know, one thing I think that all of our UCCs uh, try to do is obviously eliminate damages to buried uh, infrastructure. I think that's our main focus. UCCs are very decentralized in uh, many parts of the country. So members may not be able to easily learn what other UCCs are doing across our North America region. So I think that's why we're here today and I'm excited to kind of kick off um, just some discussion. And I think just with these introductions, we all are um, probably calling our local UCCs or DP councils something a little different. So with that, um, you know, that is kind of the first question is, uh, how do each of your states operate as far as your UCCs and or DP councils? And with that, I think we can also kick into the next question of, are they supported by your one call centers or are they supported by the stakeholders? So Marty, how about I kick off with you? Sure, sure. So yeah, and um, we, so so my team, um, we're a part of the damage prevention councils is what we call them, but um, I don't like them to be um, in any kind of, um, chair of the organization just because it gives the reflection that it's, it's a Colorado 811 endeavor type thing. So we like to, to be, you know, led with other organizations, other stakeholders on that. Um, you know, they, they could be a supportive person on the DPC, but um, yeah, so we, we, we just don't have any we, we try to distance ourselves as much as we can, you know, and still be involved, but um, so that's that's kind of it. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Marty. Um, Becky, what about Georgia? How are you guys um, looking at things? Um, we have a uh, state board that we call it the Georgia Utility Coordinate Coordinating Council. Um, our president and CEO, Megan Wade, has a seat on that board. Um, and then as far as the local UCCs, uh, we were asked not to become an officer, but we do support those. And for example, I handle one of the regions. I have eight meetings that I attend or try to attend to each month. And we're just there to provide support to those meetings is what we do. Super. Um, sounds like you guys are definitely busy. I mean, a lot of uh, 48 UCC. So like North Carolina, you guys are extremely busy. Yes. Um, Chris, anything else to add to that? Well, in the state of Florida, the the the, uh, the utility coordinating committees are supported and encouraged by DOT. And I think that's one of the one of the keys to the success of them is that when the utilities and the um, consultants see that the FDOT is engaged, then they know that they've got a voice in with the DOT. So they're 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 promoted and encouraged by DOT. There are four, I think, four damage prevention coordinators for Sunshine 811 um, around the state, and they are all attended by the 811 system and the damage prevention coordinators to act as a liaison between the utilities and issues that they may have and damage prevention and and how to eliminate the the, the damage to, to utilities and using that forum seems to work really 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 well super um, to add for North Carolina, as I mentioned, we do have 50 uh, local UCCs and uh, we are, um, as just like Marty mentioned, kind of um, support team, but yet we want to keep that arm's length. We do want them to manage their UCCs, <clears throat> but we do provide a presentation each month and our presentation may include you know, the, the volume of work that's going on in the area. Um, we talk about any issues and really highlight those. So 
It could be down to a level of, hey, we're having an issue with electricians driving ground rods and they're they're hitting gas lines. So we really kind of focus on, you know, those areas of interest and concern um, within the state. And then, of course, we focus on, you know, activities within the state, um, you know, meetings as well. So, you know, interesting um, that this topic came up because I think we all can agree that COVID has really uh, put a damper probably on a lot of our UCCs or, or it has in North Carolina. So I guess I would like to kind of spin a question off with your UCCs. Are you seeing um, a decrease in your attendance still? Or are you beginning to see an increase of people coming back into the fold and really utilizing these UCCs as um, a great way to find information? How about you, Marty? So, so Ann, I got I got to ask you. So you you have forty eight of these 50. things. Oh, 50. OK, all right. <laughs> so are they all active? Like, are, do, um, do they know, meet regularly? Do they meet on a monthly basis? What's what's the agenda? Like, what's yeah? You know, so that's a good question. Um, I, I would like to say they are all active, but some are active on a monthly basis. Some are active on a every other month basis, and then some are quarterly. It really depends on the volume. Uh, here in North Carolina, we have a hundred counties. Out of those. The, the bulk of them, there's about 86 counties that are supported by the UCCs. So I would like to say that they're all active, but um, you know, in the midst of COVID, we have seen um, a decrease in getting those folks that have normally um, you know, come month over month or every other month or quarterly, you know, just trying to get them back into the UCCs. The interesting dynamic I've heard as of recent is, um, and I'm sure some, you guys are maybe dealing with the same, is, you know, with COVID, a lot of folks are now working from home. So what we've heard is, hey, I'm working from home today, and I know the UCC meetings today, I can't be there. I'm not going to travel to come to the meeting. And so we are trying to uh, still create a hybrid environment if we can. Um, but sometimes that's not conducive. So um, there's just, you know, some really interesting dynamics going on here in our state. And I'm just eager to hear, is it the same all throughout the country? It's the same here, Ann. It, definitely, <laughs> you know. You know, and I, I say we have 13 active DPCs or JUECs, but yeah, that's why I asked you this is that, you know, we tried to, you know, establish other ones in certain parts, but you you have to have people for it to be effective that you that they're passionate about what they're Absolutely. doing. If they're just serving because they're told to serve on this committee or whatever, it's nothing's ever going to get done. You know, so when I say 13 active, we have some, you know, certain areas of the state we have really good representation that there's strong leadership um you know and then and, and through the COVID times yeah they made sure that it was a point to to you know meet on a regular basis and um yep so andy lund i know you're a guest on and um i think you would like to talk and and provide some comments so if you are able we would love to hear your thoughts. Andy, are you available? He says he cannot unmute. Levi, are you able to unmute Andy? Uh, Andy, you should have the ability to unmute yourself now. All right, Andy, can you hear us? Okay. All right, are you able to speak?
All right, go ahead. You have the floor. Andy, at the at the top right, you have the ability to unmute yourself at this point. I guess we're not able to get Andy unmuted. Um, so with that, um, Kind of going back to that, Chris, are, are you guys seeing the, the same issues over in Florida, um, getting folks back? Yes, ma'am. It, it, it is an obstacle uh, with, with COVID, and, and everybody found out it was much easier to do the, the virtual meetings, and we, and we were able to keep it going through the pandemic with virtually. But as we slowly try to transition, they're wanting the hybrids like you talked about, but the hybrids, I think you're losing something there with the face-to-face -face and the network connection and the ability to present and, 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 and have education right there in face-to-face. In -face. And I think I think that's, we're, the, we're experiencing the same thing in Florida. Although our attendance in the FUCC hasn't dropped at all. We've still, we're still maintaining anywhere from 100 to 125, 130 people registering and attending our conferences quarterly, well, every three months. Nice. Um, so kind of a spinoff from that, Marty, uh, with those issues that I think we all are experiencing trying to get folks back into the fold, are you beginning to look at these UCCs and kind of determine do we want to um, maybe change some of their, you know, meetings, whether they're meeting monthly, maybe you know, every other month. Um, are you guys looking to do that or? We, we are in. I mean, you know, it, it just depends on the DPC or, you know, some meet monthly, some may meet quarterly. Um, it, it just, it, the areas differ on that. So, um, yeah, uh, we're, we're seeing, we're seeing now since COVID though, like probably maybe every other month instead of every month for these okay. meetings to take place. Becky, are you um, are you all seeing a change there in Georgia? Um, well, all of our our meetings are active. Uh, most of them meet monthly. We do have a handful that meet every other month. Um, during COVID or right after COVID, we offered. We started going back into if the restaurant reopened where we meet or the location we did an in-person but also a virtual option but um we didn't really find that a lot of people took advantage of that or we had a lot of difficulty with the virtual option depending on where the location was so we've quit doing that um we do now see um more attendance so the attendance is back up but we also saw a lot of retirement, um, a lot of jobs being moved around. And so if we did have a company like Georgia Power that wasn't attending and they were before, we would reach out to them and just ask, you know, are the people that were coming, did they retire? Did they move to a different location? And is there somebody else that could uh, you know, attend that on their behalf. So we um, right now see pretty good attendance and it's getting back to where it was. That That is good to hear. And and I know Louis um, Panzer, the executive director with NC811, he just provided a comment here. Um, as he mentioned, we, you know, we have continued to provide that virtual option for our larger UCCs if we're available to do that. Um, and it does allow for folks that typically do not want to travel um, the ability to hop on. So we are gaining a, a different, maybe um, a little bit different audience that, you know, um, I think they're gaining benefit out of that. But um, 
I know for North Carolina, it is very, very busy. We continue to increase month over month <clears throat> with ticket volume. And so we continue to support, um, you know, all those that, that have issues. So um, I think we all are kind of in a perfect storm right now and trying to figure it all out. And, um, you know, I think sometimes we're beginning to look at, do we need to revamp our UCCs a little bit? And, um, you know, determine, do we want to move them from restaurants? Because I know in part of our state, we do have, you know, uh, a workforce stakeholders that they love restaurants. And that's how we would get them to these UCC meetings. But, um, you know, we're looking at, you know, could we refocus that and get them back into um, maybe some of our member utilities operations there that they can host those meetings. So I think we're all kind of trying to figure it out. So um, any thoughts on that? And I got to ask you, I, I got to ask you like, uh, so your meetings, who are they like, who are the stakeholders comprised of? Like mostly excavators, facility owners or? So stakeholders for us is um, is driven by, you know, many different things. Um, we will collect the data from our contractors that are making the calls, and that is part of our mailing list are the contractors. And then, of course, we have our members, our utility members, and then we have our locators. Um, we also have what I consider our other stakeholders. Those may be equipment um, you know, uh, equipment vendors. So it, it's a combination of all of those that have a stake, you know, in damage prevention. And so we're just trying to get everybody to the table to help each other. Um, you know, whether it be, um, I know yesterday I was at a training for electrical contractors and, and it was interesting is, you know, when you, when you have these trainings, then you find out they have all of these issues and, and you know and you invite them please we need you at the table the contractors and excavators here in north carolina are probably the least um, attended um, stakeholder group at our uccs so we always continue to focus on that and try to bring them um, here in North Carolina, we've started back. We have some little cards that um, they're just perforated cards. We give those out to um, our stakeholders at the meetings and say, hey, here's, you know, write in the UCC name, write in the date of the meeting, the time, hand those out and see if we can, you know, bring some of those concerned stakeholders to the table. Um, so Lewis is uh, providing some comments too. I think the main motivator to get people to show is the promise that they will make connections and network with people that they need to have their problems um, handled. So he, he made a good point there. And I think that's for all of our UCCs. It's to, if you have a problem, you want a solution. So attend the UCC meetings. Yeah, yeah. One of the challenges, and I'm sure everybody is faced with that, Anne, is that, you know, if you have a facility owner or an excavator coming in, they can't take their hat off and, and just be like, you know, we're in this together, you know, like you're going to come to some kind of compromise, you know, that you, you have to be in this together and you have to take that hat off for a minute and listen to the other perspective. So there's an interesting comment here from Raymond. Uh, Raymond, um, if you if you could, would you like to speak on your comment? Um, I think you you make a, a point of uh, would we all just follow one main agenda and stick to the main subjects? Would you like to uh, comment on that? Are we able Good. to? Un hey, Good morning, panel. Thank you, Miss Ann. You're welcome. So my question for Chris and Marty and Ann is, should we keep the agendas uh, simple? Um, I say, should we? Uh, for your states, uh, do you keep your agendas the same at each of utility coordinating councils? I'm assuming you're doing them by parishes or in y'all's case, counties. Uh, 
um, or or one county, uh, three counties for one meeting. Do y'all are all your agendas generally the same? So you're covering the same exact subjects each time. That's it. Thank you. Thank you, Raymond. And, um, and I think. I'm sorry, yeah, and I was going to I was going to add on to that. One of the things that I think is is very important is that during the UCC meeting, we we frequently have an education portion, and it's very important that if you're going to have a a speaker or a presentation or a training issue, a tra something that's bringing up training at the UCCs, is to make sure that that information gets published out in advance. Because if you're if you're deviating from the the boilerplate agenda, and you're having something special, you want to make sure that everybody knows there's something special to draw them in to get the attendance. And I think that's one of the important parts. Here in Florida, the FUCC we have what we call the four C's of of coordination: the communication, cooperation, coordination, and commitment. And if we're following all four C's, we'll have a successful project. We can work together. And and that's the, the the communication to me is the key. Yeah. It's communicating what's going on in advance so that people can adjust their schedules accordingly. Um, agreed, Chris. Absolutely. So in North Carolina, we do spend um, a lot of focus and time on our local UCCs, and uh, we do have a agenda that you know we do try to follow um, and keep that agenda consistent. And in fact, we've placed so much emphasis that we have a separate website, I think just like most everyone else. Um, it's dedicated to our local UCC. So we send you know, all of our stakeholders to that UCC uh, website and we uh, try to provide agendas there or you know, if there's an agenda, um, if the chairman has an agenda, but they are consistent. We also provide our presentations monthly that is uploaded uh, so that, as you said, Chris, you can go back. If you did miss something, you can, you know, still grab that information and then um, local sign in sheets, you know, for those stakeholders that need to document uh, because, it, you know, there's a lot of uh, pipeline operators that are required to do that. So we do we do spend a great deal of time talking about our projects, um, talking about damages. And then, um, you know, just open discussion and, you know, where those issues lie. And so in North Carolina, I'm sure like most states, we all um, are, you know, really facing some large projects, um, you know, with the infrastructure bill. And of course, this has been going on for years here in North Carolina, but the same issues tend to be at, the, at a lot of the local UCCs. So we spun off a dedicated group and um, we didn't recreate the wheel. We just um, reached out to Arizona 811 and they have a locate resolution partnership committee. So we kind of took their, um, their guidelines and created one. And so we're focusing on what we would consider, you know, major issues that are affecting North Carolina. And one of the biggest issues are, you know, being able to um, respond to locates on time. I know, Lewis, you're on um, with us today, and if you would like to talk a little bit about our LRPC, maybe you can provide a little bit of insight for these folks, because now we're really driving down into the data um, to provide back to our stakeholders. Um, so, yeah, if you want to chat a little bit, we'd love to hear from you. I mean, Lewis is shy. Come on. He says his mic is not functioning. <laughs> hey, I know, I know the feeling. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, so I'll kind of elaborate on that and, and answer a little bit about Todd's question. Um, Todd says, can you elaborate on why specifically you discuss about damages? Um, so damages are discussed in one you know, obviously we're going to look at the damage data, you know, who's damaging who, and then uh, what type of work is going on while it's, um, while the damage happens. So uh, we're, you know, we're looking also at, you know, um, did, uh, did they have a one call ticket? And so if they didn't, uh, one of the items that has come out of our Locate Resolution Partnership Committee is, 
our pipeline operators have been providing us information of here's the list of folks that have not uh, put in a one call ticket. And so Lewis, we have created um, a document that uh, Lewis has signed and it goes out and it talks about the law and it says, hey, this is what you're required to do. And um, then there could be some recourse. You know, you could come before the Underground Damage Prevention Review Board. So we're just, you know, basically just kindly asking you to follow the law and uh, place your locate. And so that has seemed to drive um, some interest from folks that, you know, do not have one call tickets. So that's one of the items that we've worked on within the LRPC. The other item is I'm sure like everyone, we are all facing um, just an unbelievable amount of updates that are getting dumped into the system. And so um, as Lewis likes to coin the noise in the system, and we we kind of, you know, up and down anywhere from 28 to 30 percent of all of our volume is update tickets. And so what does that lead to? Um, hey, I, think, I think I'm actually in there. Uh, there you uh, go. OK, Lewis, I'll let you chat. Yeah, sorry, I had to had to switch real quick. But yeah, the LRPC is a great sort of middle ground between uh, the enforcement arm and the ability just to communicate through the UCCs. The best thing we get out of the UCCs is we it percolates up when there's issues in the state that we see happening. Maybe it's a failure to white line. Maybe it's a failure to uh, ID marks. We get a sense of that and we're able to then communicate that back out in the form of uh, in the form of videos, sometimes the UCC say we really need something to communicate with homeowners about what a right of way is, for example, so they understand that why things are happening. And when we hear those things, it gives us the flexibility to quickly generate videos, distribute those through social media. Um, we often we, we do create a single presentation for every UCC each month and the specifics about that county's uh, you know, damage information and volume is shared there, but the rest of the presentation from us is, is very much the same. That way we can, you know, basically shotgun blast the message out every month and make sure that it hits everybody. Um, and absolutely, Roger's saying we don't point fingers at anyone. That's one of the ways it's successful. Um, we don't allow, you know, fist fights to break out or people start to point fingers at a at a locate company or a particular excavator because uh, obviously that's not helpful. But what is helpful, and again, the big driver to remind people about why this is so valuable to attend is to get those contacts and know who to talk to. Uh, know who those locators are locally so when you have an issue on the ground, you can communicate that directly with a, you know, and you have a face with a name. Um, so those are the things that we really stress. And with that, I will shut my mouth and pass the pass the baton. Thank you. Um, thanks, Lewis. And and Lewis is absolutely correct in that you know the whole focus is for everybody to communicate with one another. Um, Becky, if you want to chat a little bit about Georgia, um, it seems like we're all pretty much doing the same thing. Right. We. Um we usually have just a basic similar agenda um usually a speaker uh, and we have each company that attends the ucc uh, be responsible for a month so they can bring anybody you know some topic that they think might be interest uh, of the group and they speak for about 15 minutes or so nothing too long and then we talk about um, new projects, the DOT or the county or the city that's in that area will come and talk about new projects that they have, um, damage, damages, uh, locate issues. And then as far as the question about free lunch or how does that work in our state, it is uh, each UCC has kind of developed their own way of doing things. So in my region, I have some that you just pay for your own lunch when you go. I have some that get sponsors. So there's a sponsor that will come do a presentation and pay for the lunch. And then we have some that have dues and you pay a, um, 
a yearly due that will cover two people to eat per month and then um, they pay that bill at the end of the meeting and and so that's kind of the way Georgia does it. So that's an interesting concept on the dues. Do you find that um, that that's encouraged that UCC to grow or is that something you think we could use? Well, we have found that some of the utilities are not able to buy lunches for other people, I guess. So, but their company will pay for them to come and eat and bring, you know, a guest or another person from the company with them. So um, it just has been whatever works for that group. Um, and then, like I said, we have I have one that meets and they usually have a sponsor. They try to get a sponsor for each month and then you don't have to pay for the meal. Sometimes that obviously uh, encourages people to attend more when you don't have to pay. And then um, there are some that can't do a sponsorship. They can't pay for other people's meals, so but they can come and pay for their meal and then get reimbursed by their company. So um, it just depends on what works for that county. Absolutely. That's an interesting concept. So I think we see that, you know, locate issues are a driving force for attendance. Um, do you all feel like that that's what brings people to your UCCs uh, currently or are they coming for project um, data or what do you feel like is a driving force to get them there? I, I think you're right, Anne. I, I think it's locate issues is the driving force. And Todd Griffith is is on this call. And Todd, if you want to chime in, because I know you're very active with that. But um, yeah, it just seems like when people have complaints that they want to come to a DPC. And that's the same thing in, in Florida. One of the things that we see is that the, the they're attended by the utility coordinators. And the utility coordinators will show up to, to their UCC meeting when they have a project that's hot and heavy or they're having issues with a project with utilities. They come there because they know the utilities are going to be there. But I, I one of the things that they do, we do here in Florida at most of the UCCs is that with DOT involvement, DOT provides at the monthly meetings the projects that are in construction and give the provide the CEI reports for those projects so that they can see on that report. Hey, what's the two week look ahead? Where where can they expect the contractors to be working at? Where are they needing the dig tickets put in at? Um, so providing those construction reports gives those utilities that additional information of and and we 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 get the city of Tampa. We're trying to get the municipalities to plug in and the larger municipalities to plug in and provide that information as well. They've got the reports. They, they've got the reports. It's just a matter of printing off a PDF or providing a PDF to them in the digital format. But it's information, and that's a lot of times what people are looking for is information. Right. Uh, Absolutely agree, Chris. I think, um, you know, we all can agree that, you know, these UCCs are, are for us to all gain information, gain projects. And um, I know when we're in the field, we, you know, we're constantly encouraging folks, this is where you're going to communicate. You're going to gain all of that knowledge and those contacts. So, um, Todd, did you want to speak on um, that issue? Good morning. Can you hear me? Yes. OK, thank you. Um, yeah, you know, one of the things that where where I see the value or where I think our stakeholders see the value is when they can come to the table well in advance of large upcoming projects to give everybody the opportunity to staff accordingly. You know, a lot of times uh, I think what Chris was saying sometimes people will come and they have issues um, you know with regarding a, a project that's going on but that project a lot of times just lands 
in these areas and nobody had any knowledge that this project was coming and then they want to come and talk discuss about all the ongoing problems and i think you know if we can start tackling these issues on the front end by using these and that's what we try to do is use these meetings to identify upcoming large projects because from the contract locator side it takes them a while to, you know, they have to get requisitions in to get at its head head count down here. And uh, specifically, we're dealing with a lot of fiber to the home projects all in the same area. We got three fiber to the home projects in just one area. So as you can imagine, as we're seeing a decline in the uh, new housing, that's really kind of just dropped off. But what's making up for the volume is these fiber to the home projects. And I think we all know that those type of projects are tougher because those are the, the right of way, you know, with congested high pressure, high profile utilities. And that's where we see a lot of problems. So if we can just find a way as an industry to continue, and it, this is really driven by the utility owners to get them to the table and use these meetings as a, a conduit to get this information out to the all the affected members, I think we see success. But I know that there's a lot of proprietary, we don't want anybody to know. And, and then that just becomes a disaster. So, you know, where do you want to spend your time? Front end, back end. And the front end is we just identify these instead of the back end dealing with damages and ongoing issues and stuff like that. You know, Todd, you bring up a good point. Um, sometimes what does get folks to the table is a damage. And um, so those are obviously just great opportunities that we can all come together and, you know, try to determine, you know, what do we do moving forward? How can we, you know, stop these damages? And I, and I know even here in North Carolina at a meeting other day, just talking with a, a contract locator and understanding the volume of work that they have. And then when you're told, well, of my volume, 65% of that is um, projects, you know, large projects. So imagine, you know, what these locators are dealing with. And I know, Chris, when we had talked prior to, um, to our discussion, that was kind of one of the questions that you had was, you know, does the responsibility of the quality look different, you know, as far as the locates for contract locators versus a member locator? Uh, do you want to kind of give us a little bit of input there of where your thought process was with that? Sure, it's it, it, what we're what we're what I see or, or I believe is happening in is that you've got contract locators that that uh phone company the phone company uh, fiber companies uh will enter into a contract to have that contract located go out there um but sometimes there's a lag of information that's provided to that contract locator if a if a a, a new facility is installed within the right of way how long of a time does it take between the time the facility is in the ground until the as built is done circles back into the GIS where now the GIS is updated to the contract locator and he says oh okay I got a new facility I got to start marking and, and and that time lapse sometimes can be an issue and I've run into it more than once where it didn't the, the locator doesn't know there's been new stuff installed new facilities installed and there's a time lag and 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 I think that's a critical issue that needs to be looked at and how can we expedite the utilities? Because a utility, if a utility is locating their own, they're self-performing their locates, they know they're maintaining their own Atlas maps and they're, they've updated it and the guy knows, hey, yeah, we just were just out there. Um, but the, the contract locators is a lack of information time to get to them. And I think that's something that definitely needs to be looked at and how can we expedite and speed that process up? Good point there, Chris. Um, are you, Marty, you and Becky, are you guys obviously dealing with the same issue as well? Um, I know mapping in North Carolina is a big focus. You know, we can't express how important that is. Absolutely, and same issues here. Yeah. Um, I think we had someone that had their hand raised and then they took it down. Um, so, uh, Tony, Todd. Is, oh, Todd. <laughs> uh, 
Okay. Um, Tony is asking, does the issue of slow update also affect the 811 center? Um, are we are referring to maps? Um, okay, so we're referring to maps. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, all members, I mean, even in my discussions and from my past experience, you know, mapping takes some time. I think we're all um, hearing the same issues, you know, if municipalities are dealing with um, the ability to, to have the staff to do it, then things beginning to pile up, pile up, pile up. And, um, you know, technology, um, is it keeping up with the demand? And so I think we've got so many different issues that are hitting us from all areas. Uh, so Andy, um, I think it's Andy. I do see yep. you have your hand yes, up. I okay. I finally yeah. did uh, get my microphone to work. Uh, yeah, right. I was, I, I kind of fly in the wall of the uh, Texas 811 conference last week. Yeah. And what what point they made, and I don't know if I, this is perhaps a bit self-serving, but the the amount of resource that's put out into the locate process is just insufficient. Basically, these guys have so much to do, and there's not enough training out there, and it's just a kind of a variability of marks, and the marks go away. The, there's some data sharing issues there. I mean, I could go on. I don't want to yeah. burn down the bridge with <laughs> burn down the house with my conversation. That, that's so, a great uh, point. Because <laughs> um, if you really want, you know, want to prevent damage, the people that are really important are the locators, of course, and the con communication between locators and contract locators. I've always felt there should be like an association between contract locators and uh, uh, contractors, and that would be a that would be a way to solve that. Some of them do hire their own locators as well. So that's that's my point. Sorry. That that's great. Um, any comments? Marty, Chris, or Becky on that? Um. You, you know, I think we're all faced with the same challenges, and with that there, I mean, they're, they're just overwhelmed as far as contract locators. Do you guys, I'm just curious, have considered about putting caps on, on the amount of tickets that are processed in your centers? Can um, you even do that? Can you do that? So... Lewis, I'm going to let you chime in because it, it's kind of uh, that is a question that has arisen here and obviously some discussion that's come out of next practices. Yeah, I was just about to start typing, but that's that's a, a legal issue. I mean, this is one of the issues when you look at your legislation. What is the ability to uh, modify policies or practices? So that you're not in, uh, op, you know, in opposition to what the law says. The law gives the excavators very clear responsibilities and the ability to create tickets, creates responsibilities for the operators to respond to those within a certain amount of time, and it creates obligations to the notification center as well. Um, I think the excavators would be up in arms tremendously if we tried to tell them that they could not perform the work and this is where I was saying before about the technology surpassing the ability for locators to actually even keep up with it um, you know it, it, it's it's a reality in these fiber installs and we're seeing it every single day here in North Carolina and then if they're calling in both sides of the road now you're at 30,000 feet now they're not going right. to be working on both sides of the road but uh, that's where that communication has to happen between the locator and the excavator to communicate through that project and that's also where these uccs are very important um, to provide those kinds of one-on-ones and those folks can get to know each other and hopefully share prints and plans and, and the locators can say yeah um, it'd be better it's super dense over here on the right side you're going to probably want to switch to the left etc but that communication and dialogue is critical sure absolutely uh, Todd, um, or I'm sorry, there was Gerald. Gerald, I would like to uh, give you the opportunity to chat if you, if you're yes. able. Yes, ma'am. Thank you, Gerald Johnson with USIC. And with regards to the contract locate issue, uh, I'm glad that kind of Lee brought up some of those issues there. But the the real issue, in addition to the labor challenges that we're having across the country, which somebody added in the chat there, uh, but the ability for anyone to call in an unchecked amount of work without regard for the resources is, is sort of crippling not only our industry, but many of the municipalities that these projects are descending upon who can't keep up. 
Uh, we actually had a municipality in the state of Illinois last year that actually told the excavator they're not doing any more locates simply because they couldn't keep up and to go ahead and contact them if they damaged anything. When we get to that point, that's a public safety issue. And the fact that the planning of that project, the forethought to provide notification of when it will occur did not take place. That's a little, there's some negligence there and some great education that has to take place. But I'll also go further to say the issue is when those things occur, both regulators are looking at the law and the practices and saying, well, that's your issue to fix operator owner, not the person that might have planned or be putting in those uh, those facilities, uh, which oftentimes are actually owners and operators themselves. Uh, so left hand, right hand, not understanding what the other side of the, you know, other side of the hall needs to accomplish. But the constant unchecked ability to call in as much work as you can get done or even maybe not get done, but just purely notify is really getting to be a problem. And I know someone brought up the idea of a cap. Uh, maybe we only can accept so much work. I'm not saying that anyone should be denied a, a chance to turn in a locate request. But, you know, in the state of Illinois, I know we're starting to look at both volume, and I'm glad someone mentioned the scope of locates. Uh, we're starting to look at work area polygon sizes to say what is the actual increase that is impacting these communities, and do we need to at least notify excavators and members when we historically get these unseen increases or unplanned increases in these communities when they're calling in their locate request, letting them know, expect your project may be delayed because of a historical volume increase, and you may be getting a call from owners and operators in that area that they're gonna be delayed to making it to your locate. Getting that information on the front end for an excavator is gonna prevent them from putting wheels up, showing up on a locate site, and maybe not finding marks. So I appreciate the discussion and really think we've gotta find a way with the way the industry's going, how there has to be some consideration for resources for the work you're doing. Because there's not an unlimited number of folks to do this work. And as mentioned earlier, you know, when we want to ramp up, if I'm going to have homegrown locators in the state, that's an eight, 12, you know, 24 week process. That's not the kind of thing that happens overnight, but that's the expectation for the response in our state is 48 hours, regardless of how much work you get. And we're the only industry in the planet that I know that has that expectation. Thank you, ma'am. You're welcome. Those are some great comments. I know here in North Carolina, um, I mean, specifically what you're talking about, you know, folks dumping into the bucket and, um, you know, and then the ability for you all to um, provide those uh, marks on the ground is just, it's hard to keep up with. And so we are really focusing on project management this year. Um, that is just a key focus to try to get these folks to only put in the tickets that they're going to be actively working. And if everyone does their part, hopefully the system will work better. Um, so um, I do appreciate those comments. And um, Marty, any other thoughts on that? Um, I know everybody's facing the same issue in every state. Absolutely. And yeah, same, you know, very well said. <laughs> Yeah, and, and some days you can find that to be very depressing, and then some days you're like, okay, we are we are leading the charge, but um, together we do have to, um, I do believe, you know, stay firm with each other. Uh, so I do see we have a couple more hands up. Um, uh, Raymond, anything else you want to add to the conversation? Yes, ma'am, thank you. So Ann, uh, Marty, Chris, and the panel, um, which state do you guys believe has been doing utility coordinating councils the longest? And with that question, I, I want to know, would one of those states that has been doing it the longest, would they say this is our objective to help with damage prevention? Would they say that this is actually helping? That's my question. Thank you. That's a great question, Raymond. 
Uh, Marty, you want to speak to that first? Uh, and... No, I mean, yeah, he's spot on. It's it's like, you know, what what are you really coming to the meetings for? Is it just to vent and to, you know, have your personal issue with something? Or are you tr truly trying to make a difference? And that that's like I said, and that we have some really successful, you know, we call damage prevention councils. It's because everybody's working together and coming up with a solution. But um uh, you know i i think just you know w what is the intent are you are you really wanting to reduce damages and make an impact in the industry or what's the intention you know so yeah i i totally agree um i think chris had mentioned 1932 um since you guys started in florida um i know we celebrated several years back 75 and um i I still feel like, I mean, we put a great emphasis in North Carolina on this because we truly believe that we are partners in protecting everyone. And so I do find that um, we are in a, a very odd time right now, I think just due to COVID, but you know, when people have a need, they will show up to these UCCs. So I, I still feel like in North Carolina, it's a huge value. Uh, Becky, so so Anne, you might you might have mentioned this, but but what's what's your involvement? Uh, are you do you serve as officers on on these committees? We do not serve as officers. Um, what we do is is we handle a lot of the administrative of these um, local UCCs. We send out invites every month via constant contact, just to remind the folks, hey, come out to the meetings. Um, we'll, you know, provide information uh, if there's, you know, a speaker, if there's going to be lunch provided, so on and so forth. Um, sometimes if the chairman doesn't show up, then certainly we're going to uh, facilitate that meeting. But otherwise, we do try to let each of those local UCCs drive that conversation. And then we're the resource at the end of the day. We're going to help facilitate that communication. If, you know, if a contractor comes and, and needs a phone number for a locator, we're going to try to, you know, facilitate that coordination. Um, but at the end of the day, yes, we still have a strong leadership within those um, local UCCs, but they do uh, beat to their own drum. Okay, and then d d does it vary d depending on region, how often they meet? That is Everyone's correct. Saying. And and okay. really it just, um, you know, probably like most of us, it's where the majority of the work's going on. Um, if there's a lot of volume going on, they wanna communicate every month. Some, you know, maybe they're not as busy, they only meet quarterly. And, you know, we have to try to balance that in between all the other meetings. On average, each liaison has about 18 UCCs. And um, that's just one of their duties throughout, you know, throughout the day. Uh, they, you know, they're also out doing damage prevention training, you know, doing stops at, um, you know, anything from local contractors to help facilitate the process. Um, you know, if we see from a UCC meeting that we've got a contractor that's just continually dumping in and, you know, pecking away, uh, we're going to try to reach out to them one on one and try to understand their process and help them understand, you know, not to keep dumping all of these tickets into the system because certainly all these locators um, cannot handle the volume. And um, I think as um, as was mentioned, you know, the, the clear issue that we're having is manpower and it's only getting worse with all these um, long projects sure. in the bucket. So um, I know that we have a hard stop at 1230 and I know this conversation can continue on and on and on. And um, so we, you know, I do want to take a moment just to thank our panelists today. Thank you guys for taking your time. Uh, providing us some insight of what's going on in Florida, Colorado, Georgia, and of course, North Carolina as well. All you other folks, Illinois, thank you so much. So if you would like to um, stay on for a few minutes afterward, we would love to have you uh, do that if you have any additional questions. But otherwise, uh, thank you all for participating with our town hall meeting. And uh, thanks to Infrastructure Resources for allowing us to be a part of it. And with that, I will turn it back over um, to Whitney. Is that coming back to you or Scott? Sorry, Scott. 
Yep, I can wrap it up here real quick. Um, so as Ann mentioned, it looks like we're at time, but if you would like to stay on for just a couple minutes, we will have kind of a short coffee and question session to address any additional questions you might have. And again, on behalf of everyone at Infrastructure Resources, we'd like to thank you all, all of the attendees who shared your thoughts and solutions today, and a huge thank you to our moderator and panelists for sharing their knowledge and insight on this topic. Tell Scott Every Andy point. Lund says hi. Oh. <laughs> there he is. Um, a recording of the town hall will be posted on excavationsafetyalliance.com, where you will also be able to register for next month's town hall on November 10th, titled, What are the most successful ways to investigate a damage and defend yourself? You'll receive a link for this town hall, and we would appreciate your feedback so we can continue to improve and make these valuable for all of you. And please consider joining us in Tampa, Florida, February 14th through the 16th, 2023 for the Global Excavation Safety Conference, where we will have additional discussions and a wide variety of educational opportunities. First time attendees can still take advantage of our $811 special, which is more than a 30% off the current price. And you can do so by going to globalexcavationsafetyconference.com. We will now continue for those who would like to participate in a brief coffee and question session. And Anne, I'll turn it over to you for the next few minutes. All right. Well, thank you so much. Um, all right. Does anyone else have any additional questions? I, I, I think um, one that came up, um, Marty, the report card method at your county level. You want to speak on that real quick? Sure. So we we do an analysis um, like like a county report card, how they're doing with it. You know, it takes in equation the the damages that were, you know, and the tickets that were called in for that and then and then the amount of activity they have is that county associated with the damage prevention council um, you know so we have all this criteria that we kind of grade each of the counties um, and, and give them a report card it's it's not a grade for the liaisons you know everybody thinks that it could be like you know are they doing you know education outreach and out there it's not that at all it's just their their activity based on their ticket volume and the damages that they have and what activities or are they supporting a damage prevention council, that type of thing. So yeah, we, we provide that every year. That that sounds really interesting. Is that something that you can share with the group sure. or? Okay, Absolutely. That'd, yeah. that'd be great. Um, Chris, any, any other thoughts from you? Um, any other questions that anyone may have for Chris? I got one <clears throat> for for everybody actually. Chris, um, I'm just now noticing this uh, in that my hat has changed. It still has Joey Logano's signature on it, of course, but um, uh, <laughs> uh, we have never seen contract locators at UCC, have we? And are no. they are are they here now? No. Why not? We need to outreach those folks. If we're going to have them, we're going to have them be involved. I got a new hat and you're going to find out you'll know what it is when you talk to me. <laughs> I'll see you at FUCC. All right. Looking forward to seeing you. But I, I will tell you, I, I will tell you that we do have a very hard time getting contract locators um, to come to the FUCCs. Really? We, we yeah. have had, so we have had some contract locators at some of the local utility group meetings. But like you said a few minutes ago, Marty, it's it's when there's a problem, and and we've had to we've had to you know, go through. And I'm just going to use USIC because they're a major locator company. Uh, bring the, their leadership into the meetings and say, hey, we're having a problem in this area. Bringing the leadership from that contract locator to that meeting to try to work out the issues. And this, by the way, was all facilitated by Sunshine 811 Damage Prevention Coordinator to get the parties to the table to, hey, what is the issue? Is it the volume, ticket volume? Is it lack of personnel? Is it, you know, you're putting a, you know, 3T code on it that you don't have the, the resources to locate it in a timely fashion? You know, what is the issue? And and that that really helped. But you're right. It's it's a shame that it has to be because there's a problem to get them to come to the table. Yeah. Well, the corporate office or USIC is here in Tampa, so uh, perhaps one of us should stop by and say hello to them. So it's an option. Um, in North Carolina, we are blessed. We do have a good um, turnout from our USIC folks. Um, some months better than others. Obviously, the volume plays a huge part in that. 
but um, our chairman or our president of our NC811 board is with USIC, so we are, are grateful to that. Um, I do want to grab one more hand, and I know we need to leave um, and wrap this up. Um, Mr. Kumar, would you like to uh, share some thoughts? Uh, hello, uh, is, am I audible? Yes, we can hear you. Okay, so uh, I'm I'm a research scholar from India. Uh, I'm I'm researching on utility coordination in Indian market, and uh, my my topic also partly deals with uh, the road safety conditions uh, an excavation generates. So, uh, do you, do you guys have any experience from your professional life where you have seen that uh, excavations create massive road safety hazards? And if if yes, how do you guys deal with it? I have no comments on that. I mean, that tends to be, I know here in North Carolina, obviously, um, you know, DOT has their own requirements. And so I would say that would be a very focused question down to the state level DOTs. What was the question? Road safety and, um, and, I guess the creation of damages in regards to road safety um, is that was that the way I understood it? Yes, yes. Yes. OK. I don't really have anything. I think that's that's more of a question for DOT on that. OK, I can't. Yeah. Okay, I was actually trying to have a have a perspective from the excavator's side. So, if, if that has really been an observation in a project, or uh, has that really been a concern for uh, the professionals? I, I would most definitely direct um, that conversation over to your DOTs, but I, I, I'm not sure if I know one of my contractors from North Carolina is still on. You know, there's a lot of regulation that they have to follow. Um, so um, you may want to reach out to NUCA, um, the utility contractors that are obviously within a lot of the DOT right of ways that that might be a good resource to ask that question. All right. Thanks, Anne. Yeah, thanks. Anything else? Um, Todd, I know you still have your hand up. Would you like to chat before we leave? Sorry, Ann. No, I was trying to I was trying to take my hand down. <laughs> oh, OK. Well, Marty, that's you fine. need to work on teaching me about this. <laughs> Thank you. That, that's the first, Todd. <laughs> well, guys, we um, we appreciate you all participating today. Um, and please, I hope that we'll stay in contact with each other. And if um, if you guys, you know, in the future have any other great suggestions, please share them. We would love to. Um, I'm all about um, not recreating the wheel. You know, let's take some fine tuned um, actions that we do and put it into place. So. Um, so thank you all. And I hope you have a great afternoon and please be safe. Thanks, Ann. Fantastic job, um, by the way. Thank you. You all. Thank you. It's good to see thank you, you all. Have a blessed day. You too. Bye. Bye-bye.